Good evening. My name is Kimberly Lee, and I'm one of the teachers here at Element City Church, and I just want to welcome you. And I get to kick off our next sermon series for the next four weeks, and it's called One Another. So the next four weeks, it's just one another. And what that looks like is that Jesus gave us 23 commandments. And in those commandments, he interjected a verb, which is an action, and then right after that, he put two words, one another. And it repeated enough over and over that we probably, you know, it's a commandment, we probably should, should look at these. And that's what we're gonna spend some time doing is, is looking at what this one another means and why it is an action. And basically, Jesus is talking to his followers. He's talking to his church saying, hey guys, this is how I want you guys to interact with each other. This is how I want you guys to hang out with each other and be with each other. And this is how I want you to become more like me. So tonight, we're starting a series of love one another. I get the love part. You guys are like, I love love. Well, it's not fluffy, just so you know. It's not fluffy love. So we're gonna look at some pictures behind me and I want you to see if you can identify these pictures, these groups. And see, some of them think they stand for love and see if you know, if it's not love, what they did stand for. Dalai Lama, just in case you didn't know. <laughs> cookie time, cookie time. <laughs> See Emperor Five. Not so much. Those pictures, they evoke emotion, don't they? Some strong, some funny, some filled with pride, some of angry. You know, those last two, that, you, that should make you angry. But bottom line, you still know what each of those pictures, what those groups stood for, what they stand for. You could either tell by the uniform they were wearing, you could tell by the history that you know about them. You could tell by their, their accomplishments, the good or the bad. Maybe it's your personal experience that you had with one of them. But bottom line, we know what those groups stand for. I mean, the Girl Scout picture came up and we're just like, woo! I mean, if that little girl comes to your door and you're just like, you just see the uniform and you're like, cookie time! Bring mama the Thin Mints! I mean, we know what they stand for. The Girl Scouts, it's about a whole bunch of other stuff. But your first instinct is cookies. Maybe just me. But what about Christians? What's the first word that comes to mind when you think about Christians? How do you know if someone's a Christian? With their uniform? that's a little creepy, you know, we have all white tennis shoes and we all have, I'm just saying. How about how the way they walk? There's certain walks, there is. Talk, yeah, kinda. What are Christians known for? Let's look at these pictures. Huge, huge, every bracelet. This is fish, won't fry, will you? 
Bumper sticker. It's a bumper sticker. What, what are Christians known for? We've got our bracelets, we've got our bumper stickers. We've got our cross necklaces, we've got our tattoos. Some of us pick at parades. So if you were to ask your friends, or even ask a stranger, what is, what is a Christian? What kind of answers do you think you'd get back? Because it's kind of a loaded question, right? I mean, how many of you have done that lately? Hey, what do you think a Christian is? Try it at your work tomorrow. See what they say. Because Christianity seems to be more of a label or a brand these days. Because so many people call themselves Christians. It's this big umbrella. And if we were asked the questions like, hey, are you a Christian? You know, some of us would be like, no, kind of, maybe, yes, yes, yes. I am a Christian, but not one of those Christians. Or I grew up Christian, or I go to church. But usually if somebody asks us that, we have to qualify it. I am a Christian, but, 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 wait, there's more. We can't just say, I'm a Christian. Nobody goes up to a Girl Scout and says, hey, you're a Girl Scout, what are you about? But somewhere along the line, Christians, we, I don't think we have one thing we stand for all the time or what we're known for. Do you know that the word Christian only appears in the Bible a few times? And it wasn't actually, the, the Jesus followers, they didn't call themselves Christians. It was the Roman people. The Roman people called, them, um, called the followers of Jesus Christians, and it was kind of a derogatory term. Nero, the emperor, had just burned down one of the, a part of the city, and, and it, he actually did it himself, but he wanted to blame the Christians, and so he got everybody riled up, and so it was a kind of a negative term. So if back in the time, Jesus' followers didn't call themselves Christians. Where does that leave us? What is a Christian, and what do we stand for? I bet we'd all have different answers. I mean, there is one right one, hopefully. But let's turn to John 13. John 13, and the verses, these verses right in the beginning aren't gonna be um, up on the screen, but if you have your Bible, turn to John 13. And I wanna give you, while you're turning there, I wanna give you a little background to what's going on. Jesus and his disciples, his 12 men, they have been, ju they've just finished eating. And he knows that his time on this earth is, is coming to an end. He knows he's going to die soon. He also knows that Judas, one of his, his disciples, had just betrayed him. Behind his back, he sold Jesus for a few, uh, some coins. And Jesus knows all this. So I want you to make sure you understand he knows he's going to die, and he knows somebody betrayed him. And let's see what's going on right after that. In verse 12, so it's John 13, verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for this is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, 
nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now, if you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Did you get that? Jesus knew he was about to be nailed to the cross. He knew that one of his own people had just betrayed him. He's the king of kings. And what is he doing? He is washing his disciples' feet, even Judas. And some of you are sitting here saying, I'm thinking, okay, feet are kind of nasty. I, why wash their feet, and especially back then, really dirty. They wore sandals. And let's not wash feet. I mean, maybe Jesus isn't really saying that. And you wouldn't wash Judas's feet because he's a backstabber. He's a betrayer. But Jesus says, no slave is better than his master, and no messenger is better than the one who sent them. Do as I do and serve others. Love others. Wash their feet, even the betrayers. Whoa. Whoa. I mean, that's what Jesus said. We're going to skip down to verses 33. In the same chapter, John 13, verses 33, because he's not done. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. But a new commandment I give to you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone know, will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus lays it down in these verses. He tells us exactly what it means to follow him. There, there's not a lot of mixing these verses up. In fact, he makes it a commandment. He, he says, a new commandment I give to you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Three times. Did you guys hear the love one another three times? So I'm assuming if somebody says something three times in two sentences, it's important. They will know you are Christians, my disciples, by your love. The term that's consistently used for the follower of Jesus in the Bible is disciple. But let's be honest. When's the last time you called yourself a disciple of Jesus? That, that word disciple kind of makes us a little bit uncomfortable, doesn't it? Sorry, those are my earrings, actually. We can hide behind Christianity all we want. It's that big umbrella of Christianity. But if we were to, to, to drill it down a little bit, Disciple is clearly defined. Disciple means I'm a pupil, I'm a learner, I'm a apprentice, I'm a follower. I want direction in my, my life. I want to know how to live my life. That's what a disciple is. And Jesus gives us the direction. He says they will know you are my disciples by your love. You don't need a special uniform, a handshake, a bumper sticker, a tattoo, any of that kind of stuff. You don't need to, you don't show your church attendance or your tithe or all the service projects you do. He says, 
they will know you are mine by your love. Being his disciples, being a Christian is not just a name you can give yourself. It's not a box you check on Facebook. I'm a Christian. Being a Christian means that you are a changed person, that your heart is changed, that you are loving God, that you are loving Jesus, that you are loving others. And love is how you know this has happened. People will have evidence. They will have proof that you are his disciple by your love. Some of you are sitting here thinking, well, that's just crazy talk. Yeah, it is. It is kind of crazy talk. The life that Jesus calls you to in this world seems a bit crazy. It does seem a bit crazy. Sure, it's fine and politically correct to say you love God. If you were to be at work and be like, I love God, people are like, mm. well, you say, I love, I'm a, I've been a disciple of Jesus. That's not well digested. And it's nice and generous to give to the needy at Christmas and after any disaster, you know. But to, to push past just the giving to the needy or every once in a while, to, to put others first in, for, in the forefront, well, that's just above ourselves. Well, that's just a little bit crazy. Because that's really not what this world, the world we live in, that's really not what we're about. Others of you might be thinking, I know God loves us. I do. I grew up in Awanas. I got the little sparky badges. I know that God loves us. Love God, love others. I got that. I've believed that for years. The only problem is sometimes we have it in our head, but we don't have it in our heart. And that looks a little bit different. It was a concept that you were taught, but you don't implicitly know from the bottom of your soul that God loves you. Because already, already right now, some of us have drawn lines, right? God says love, but he probably didn't mean this person. You know you got one of those. God means love, sorry, but he doesn't mean in this circumstance because this circumstance, it was really bad, so God doesn't mean love in that. And surely God doesn't mean love in this. And fill in the blank. We all have that line that, mm -mm, that's not what, God doesn't really mean it that way. A new command I give to you, Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. I'm gonna say this again, but by this, everyone will know you're my disciples if you love one another. No lines, no buts. He doesn't say, well, but not in this instance. What makes this new? He says a new commandment. What makes this new? Because love, this isn't the first time. Jesus wasn't the first one to talk about love in the Bible. In Leviticus 19.18, it says, love your neighbor as yourself. Love's been around. I mean, the whole Bible is about love a lot. But why does love prove our discipleship? I mean, really, what does that mean? 
What appears to be new is this, the way we are to love, namely, love like Jesus. That's what's so new. Just as I have loved you, you love one another. Because this is the first time God's son has come to this world and died on the cross for us. That's what's new. This is the first time this kind of sacrifice has been made. This has never happened before. That's what's new. And he's saying, as I loved you on that cross, I want you to love one another. Whoa, that kind of seems epic, that seems big. What's new is that Jesus now gives us a pattern in which we are to live our life by. The pattern is love everybody, wash the feet of the betrayer. Love the people who are gonna nail you on that cross. Love the people who you die on that cross for and will turn their back on you over and over and over again. There was no line for Jesus. He set the example. He gave us the pattern to live by and he gave us the power to live on. So the reason that the love we have for each other shows that we are his disciples is because there's no way that kind of love is possible without being connected to Jesus. You cannot do that love, that kind of sacrificial love without being connected to Jesus. We love as he loved when we love with his love. We love as he loved when we love with his love. When we are so amazed by whom God is and what he's done for us, we should be caused to love him in a crazy way and live our life in a crazy way. Not weird crazy like matching shoes. The very the very fact that a holy, all-knowing, all-powerful, merciful, just, just loving God loves you and me, that should be astonishing. That should be overwhelming. We love one another not because it's the good Christian thing to do. Pat yourself on the back, ooh, I love that person and they're hard to love. We love one another because we are so deeply loved by God. Do you believe that God is the greatest thing that ever happened to this world? Do you believe that the good news is not the merely the forgiveness of our sins, which is great, not merely that we're not going to hell, which is awesome? Do you really love God or do you just love the stuff he's going to give us? Francis Chan put it this way. Imagine if your child or your spouse came to you and said, by the way, I don't love you, I don't want your love, but I do want that allowance, or, or I do want my purse, that purse you got. Would that not be awful? I mean, that would stink. But let's flip that over. What if the one you love looks you straight in the eye and says, I love you, not your money, not your family, not what you can give me. I just love you. Can you say that to God? Can you say that to God? I just love you. Because our love for him always comes out of his love for us. 
Do you love this God who is everything? Or do you love everything God can give you? Because a lot of times the goals of American Christianity are marry, have a nice marriage, have kids who don't swear, and have good church attendance. Then you will know they're Christians. But taking these words of, of Jesus, that would be not easy. That would be a little bit uncomfortable. Because most of us, we kind of want a balanced life. We want a life that is a little bit comfortable, not too radical, not too weird, and it doesn't, it doesn't actually cause a lot of suffering. So Kimberly, you ask, what does this love look like? What, are you, what does this love look like? Is it big? Is it big love? Yes. It could be mission trips around the world. Right now we have a team in Ecuador and they got there safely. That's awesome. Um, they spent a lot of money, a lot of time. They took a week off of um, work not to go to, on vacation. They are going down to Ecuador in a third world country to love others. It could be something big like that. It could be something small, a note of encouragement, a hello, a dinner, making cookies for the teacher. I'm a teacher. <laughs> Just in case. It could, be, it could be any of that stuff. It could be all the small stuff that you know, picking up the trash when nobody's looking, not cutting somebody off and, and doing bad things with your fingers in the traffic, <laughs> all of that stuff. Yes, that is love. That is love. But if we're gonna look at the example, let's look at Jesus. He loved the outcasts. He loved the lepers. He loved the untouchables. He loved the woman who slept around with everybody. He loved the wee little man who was taking money from the poor. Jesus loved them all. Elements, if the neighborhood, the neighborhood we're in right now, were to walk in those doors, would you love them? because a lot of them, they sure don't look like you or act like you or talk like you. We're sitting in a pretty hard neighborhood. Le loving people is leaving them less alone and less hurt. Letting the overflow of your God's love from your heart pour out onto others. That's what love looks like. But how are we supposed to do that? That's for people like Brian. That's for people like Mother Teresa, for those sweet people. You know, I'm not very sweet. It can't be done, right? That, this would be hard. You're talking for, this is impossible. I'm not in full-time ministry. I don't have to love like those people. You're right. It can't be done without Jesus. It cannot be done without Jesus. Jesus shows the pattern for us to live by serving others, putting others before ourselves, sacrificing for others, and he gives us the power to do this with. You gotta stay connected to the power. When I first became a Christian 20 years ago, I was so, so broken. So very broken. I didn't know what healthy love looked like. I'd never seen a healthy marriage. At 20 years old, I'd never been around a healthy marriage. I didn't have a healthy relationship with my parents. 
Don't even get me started on the bad boyfriend choices and what that twisted love looked like. When I became a Christian, I prayed, God, I need a fertile heart. I need a heart that's not filled with all this junk. I need a heart that's gonna love deeply, that's gonna love well, that's gonna love true. I wanna love like you. Oh my gosh, this was hard, you guys. This was so hard. And not because God wasn't big, because I was so broken. And for the last 20 years, God has loved me well. He has been faithful and loved me well. And I'm not emotional. Some of you guys see tears and you're like, oh gosh, I did something wrong. I'm emotional because I remember the darkness. I remember what it was to be alone and hurting and broken and empty. I remember what my life clearly looked like before Jesus. And I am so overwhelmed. I'm so overwhelmed how much he loved me. And he said, you, you broken, broken girl, I'm gonna use you to love others well. I was like, oh, I mean, when I started dating Brian, I was like, I tried to break up with him three times. <laughs> well, I mean, who doesn't love Brian? Why? Because I knew at that point in my life, I couldn't love him well. I didn't even know what it looked like. I didn't even know, I said, I'm a better friend. Go find you a, a nicer girlfriend. I remember the darkness. My passion, the reason I'm up here tonight, my passion in life is to let other people know with everything I am that God's love blooms in the darkness. God's love blooms in the darkness. He, his love pushes it out. Because right now some of you are here and you're, you're listening to the enemy. And the enemy, you know what he wants? He wants you to keep, keep you a slave to your fears, your hurt, your baggage, your scars, your addictions. If he can keep you in that darkness and push, keep trying to push out the light, he wins for generations to come in your life. That's the, but no, I am a living testimony that love blooms in the darkness. God's love shines the brightest in the darkness if you just let him in. He uses the most broken people to love others well. And that's awesome. Now, if you know me, I'm still a bit feisty. Why are you guys laughing? <laughs> I am, I can get quite fussy. <laughs> it's naughty. <laughs> but I have spent the last 20 years trying to love others well. Not perfect, but love well. Because, not because I'm married to a pastor, not because I, we're part of this church, I wanna love others well because God loved me so much. He got me out of the darkness. And that's what I wanna share. Jesus gives us the 
power to love others the way that he does. But the key, the key to that is you gotta stay connected to him because that darkness, it loves to come and seek and destroy. So you gotta stay connected. One of my life verses when I was first a Christian was John 15, five. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remain in me and I am him, he will bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. I learned that almost the second week I was a Christian. That's where we get our power from. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. You cannot love well without Jesus. It's impossible. You cannot do it. To love like this, you have to be connected to Jesus. In John 15, nine through 13, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. He keeps saying this over and over again. I think he thinks we're a little bit slow on this. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love one another. I'm hoping that's what you walk away with, the whole love one another. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one another. I mean, it's again, different verses, more of the same thing. What is holding you back from this kind of love? What is holding you back? Do you think you're gonna get taken advantage of? Yes, you will. Do you think that you're gonna get your feelings hurt? Yes, you will. Do you think you're gonna get persecuted and made fun of? Yes. How about, do you think you're, it's, it's tiring and you feel like quitting? Yes, I try to get fired consistently, <laughs> all the time. Will you feel unappreciated? Yes, undervalued, yes. Yes, yes, yes. You could feel, you will feel all of those things. So what? Don't you want more? Don't you want more love, more Jesus? Joy, did you, he said, so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. How many, if people were to say Christians are known by their joy? Well, that's just crazy talk. How many of us walk around with joy? Aren't you just a little bored coming to church? No, no, you're not. <laughs> Doing a few good things and just trying to avoid the big sins because somebody else is gonna make you look good. They're gonna have one of those scents, right? Aren't you just, aren't, there's gotta be more than this, you guys. Are you ready to stop being so comfortable? This is not comfortable being up here. It's not. Are you ready to stop making excuses? When I grow up, when I graduate from, I, Lawson told me at four, I will stop lying, mom, when I am six. <laughs> is that one of your excuses? I will start loving when I'm 25, when I'm 30, after I get rid of this wife, after I get rid of this husband, then I will be able to truly love because they were a doozy. What's your excuse? Are you ready to give it all? 
God pursues us with an outrageous, relentless love. Can you trust him? I don't know, look at the cross. Who loves somebody so much, the world so much that he gave his only son to die for your sins? He seems pretty trustworthy. He asks us to love even when it's messy, even when it's uncomfortable. Love when you don't feel like it. Love when you don't want to. Love when it's impossible. He asks us to love all the time. So I ask you, you, not the person next to you because you're thinking, oh, I hope this person's listening because they sure don't know how to love. No, no, I'm going to ask you to look at yourself. What's your next step? What's your next step? Do you have a head filled with knowledge, but not a heart filled with love? Because you can take those verses and everything you know about the Bible, and if you can't love me well, you don't get to talk to me about Jesus. Is your heart filled with a whole bunch of junk, a whole bunch of bitterness, anger, unforgiveness, rejection, fill in the blank? It's just as filled with so much junk that God's love can't even get in there. It's a little crowded. Some of you, maybe your heart's like a fortress, like a castle. Your walls, you spent so many years building those walls up not to be penetrated. Because if you take those walls down, you might not survive the next hit. Why are we talking about your heart? Because what is in your heart overflows out your mouth and overflows how you live your life. If you are not letting love in, then it's gonna be really hard to let love out. So the first, you gotta let love in in order to love others well. Every piece of your heart that you hold back from Jesus Ooh, not this part. I can't let you have this one. You are squeezing out some of his love that could shine to others. You're cheating yourself and the people around you. If Elements City Church were to love like this, holy moly, we, couldn't, we wouldn't even be able to fit everybody we, in here. We'd be busting out at the seams. Not a select few of us doing this, but an army of many saying, not in here, Satan. We are claiming the love of Jesus Christ. We are claiming this school, this neighborhood, this church, our family, our kids, our spouses, our friends. We are claiming this for Jesus Christ. If we love like that, could you imagine what we'd be known for. Not to say, yay, Element City Church, but to say, yay, Jesus. We wanna be known, we're his by his love. It's not a one-time event. Loving others is not an act, or just an experience, or something you just go do, you know? Pick up trash, woo, I love Jesus, although very important. It should become who you 
are because you are so deeply loved by an amazing God who, who loved you so much he sent his son to die on that cross for your sins. You can't help but be amazed and astonished that, that God would love you that much, that your joy would be so overflowing and people say, what is with you, weirdo? And you're like, it's because I love Jesus. So I go back to those pictures. What do you want to be known for? What do you want to be known for? Jesus doesn't mince words. He says, they will know you are mine by your love. As the band leads us into communion, I want you to wrestle with this. I want you to sit there and be a little uncomfortable. Was she talking to me? Yes, I was talking to you. Not just your neighbor, I was talking to you. What part of your heart are you holding back? What junk is in there that's squeezing out the love of Jesus? Where are you not loving well in your life? I want you to wrestle with that and, and end with, what do you want to be known for? What do you want to be known for? Dearly Father, I just, I am overwhelmed by your greatness. I am overwhelmed by your, your awesomeness and just loving us. We can't even fully imagine or fathom how deep your love is for us, how wide your love is for us. Lord, may every single person in this room know with deep inside their soul that they are loved by you. Lord, let us be a church, let us be, be Christians who are known by their love. I know it's not easy, Lord, but what's the alternative? Lord, thank you. Thank you so much for dying on the cross for such broken, broken people. In your name we pray, amen. Mm -hmm.